Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, the host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. You've joined us for the episode for Sunday, August 21st, 2022. It's entitled, Telling Time for Beginners, The Descent of Man. Back in about 1973, there was a BBC documentary entitled The Ascent of Man, that is, The Rise of Man. It was narrated by David Attenborough, and basically the theme of that series was that man raised himself from the Stone Age to the steamboat. You know, that that man had come up from the primordial slime to become the great magnificent creature that he is today. Actually, the truth is, man was created at the apex, the height of God's creation. And man went from the penthouse to the outhouse. That's the truth about man. We read in Genesis 1, 27 to 31, so... God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree, in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Now, as I mentioned a moment ago, Adam and Eve were the apex, the very height of the creation of God. In my mind, for lack of a better way to put it, uh, humanly speaking, they were perfect created perfect. Adam, of course, created from the dust of the ground and Eve from Adam's rib, suggesting the the DNA in Adam's rib. Man was created intelligent, outstanding as the, the top of God's creation. Man started at the top and then through rebellion against God, he fell from that position now, when God put Adam and Eve for our own good <laughs> out of the Garden of Eden, and I believe they were two real people, the Lord Jesus Christ taught that as well. I have zero problem with that. When they were sent from the Garden of Eden, they were sent into, from that point forward, a world which was fallen. And every single day, then every single week and month and year after that, man grew farther and farther from the position to which he had been created into. 
and technology was a workaround, I believe, to compensate for the disastrous consequences of the fall. Now man had to grow his own food and it would be very hard and everything was just hard and it got harder and harder. Now, I looked up the definition of technology. I think we all believe we know what that is, but here's what it is. Technology is the application of scientific knowledge to the change and manipulation of the human environment. And I think that's a very good description of what Adam and Eve and their children and then people who began to populate the earth from that point, I believe that's a very good description of what they had to have. And I want you to understand today, listen to me, that it is a lie that man rose from a caveman and ascended. That is a lie. Man descended from his height at the top of God's creation. But the interesting thing is, and you could think of it like two lines, uh, man descending, like going down a slide. But if you, well, let's think of it as an esca two escalators. As man descended physically and morally down over time, Man, in a, in a different way, you could say technology began to be on the up escalator. And that's what we see happening in the world today. Now, ancient technology may have been alien technology. Oh, no, Pastor Ed's gone off the deep end, talking about spacemen. Alien simply means foreign, okay? Strange. Ancient technology may have been alien technology, as in angel technology, as in fallen angel technology, as in demonic technology. Now, I think there probably was actually a mixture, a blend of technologies available, because certainly with the intelligence with which man was created initially, certainly there must have been the ability to think on a higher order than we see people thinking today. And so there, there no doubt was God-given human technology of how to do many things, even though we lived in a fallen environment. I think there also was a demonic, possibly, let's put it like this, there very possibly was a demonic technology offered to man who was fallen along these lines. And remember, Lucifer is the ultimate demon, the head of the demons now. Lucifer and his demons basically were saying to man who was having a very hard time compared to how Adam and Eve thrived in the Garden of Eden, everything taken care of, I believe it's possible that Lucifer and the demons said, you know, you don't need God. We will teach you and help you. And that may well have happened. Now, that is not in the Bible, and I'm not trying to make that a Bible doctrine, but it's certainly possible. Now, pyramids, for example, we all know what the pyramids are in Egypt, like the pyramid at Giza. <clears throat> pyramids have stones set 
so precisely that we have not yet figured out the trick. Think about that. Megalith structures, that means just like monstrously sized physical structures. Megalith structures so heavy as in 300 ton blocks of stone. You know how many pounds of stones that is? I looked it up and I wrote it down somewhere. I hope I can find that really quick. It's 661,387 pounds of solid rock. That's what 300 tons blocks of stones weigh. Well, these megalith structures in different places around the world are so heavy that our modern machinery, we don't have machinery that could set them in place today. Now, right about now, I know some of you, and you're doubting what I'm saying. <laughs> Don't ever argue with me. I looked up how heavy can cranes, you know, what amount of weight can cranes lift? And this is what I found from a crane company online. Tower cranes, like you see those cranes that, that rise, uh, you know, 20 stories in the sky, like the one in the James Bond movie that they have the fight out on the, the, uh, the, the arm of the crane. Tower cranes can lift about 20 tons. That only leaves us 280 tons short of the amount of weight that some of these blocks of stone are. Or, well, what about mobile cranes, Pastor Ed? That's a great idea. They can lift on a good day in the right situation, the right circumstances, as much as 60 tons, still leaving us, what is that, 240 tons short of the weight of some of these stone blocks and these megalith structures. And yet these exist and we have no solution for how they exist. Then there are symbols uh, etched into the ground on the earth so large. I mean, massive symbols on the ground. Like if you could think of flying over your local airport and seeing the runways and the the, the markings on the runways and all of that, where there are pictures and, and symbols like this on the ground in different places around the world that are so huge that to make them would have required mathematics or flight or some kind of technical knowledge that we don't know that these people had. How did they do it? There have been many theories, but nobody's completely satisfied with the answers. And then you get to the whole idea of aliens and UFOs. You hear theories from the bogus to the bizarre, but lately we're starting to hear theories from the plausible to the possible. Now, here's where I'm just going to have some fun. Again, what I'm saying is not a Bible doctrine, okay? But I just want us to think about what we're talking about here. Uh, uh, telling time for beginners, how to learn how to tell time. 
Well, it can be learned in one way regarding the descent of man, that is, as man began to decline, to degress rather than progress, to go down uh, morally and physically rather than go up, it can be, we can learn how to tell what time it is by seeing a similar trend in play today, and that is as man declines morally and physically, technology is on the rise. And it may have been that technology was far more available in some ways. I don't know that early man after the fall had cell phones or computers. I don't know about that, but I want you to think about this. What if heaven's armies has a motor pool, like the United States Army has a motor pool, right, with the trucks and the Humvees and the tanks? What if heaven's armies has a motor pool with vehicles? (laughs) Now, we know for sure that heaven has plenty of chariots and horses of fire. How do we know that? Because that's what Elisha saw on the mountains surrounding him, protecting him in 2 Kings verse 6. As the angels of God were there in chariots and horses, and they outnumbered the literal human army that came to take Elisha captive. That's an example But what if heaven's armies has a motor pool with vehicles that we know nothing about that are able to overcome gravity and have no limits of speed and all of that? I don't know. I don't know that anything like that actually exists. But what if it did? What if the rebelling angels stole some of those vehicles, you know, the ones assigned to them? And we know that the angels appear as men in the Bible, right? Well, what if demons appear as men but as aliens? Or, as I think from Greek mythology, that's where that comes from, as gods. What if demons imparted superhuman knowledge? And superhuman doesn't mean like superman. I don't mean that, but even the name superman means a man higher than a human. But what if demons imparted superhuman, that is, knowledge that is beyond the knowledge of man? What if demons imparted superhuman knowledge to humans in order to, quote, help them, but also enslave them to worship Lucifer and the demons themselves? You know, it's interesting how technology was used. It was used around the world so often to build massive false worship structures to the gods, that being Lucifer and demons. Think about that. They weren't, it wasn't used to build hospitals, right? It was used to build places of worship. I'm having fun. I don't know about you. The author of 2001, A Space Odyssey, Arthur C. Clarke, said, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. You know, what would, how uh, magical or powerful would you appear if you could go to a people who had never seen an iPad or a camera, for example, and show that to them, you would seem like 
someone who had come down out of the sky, right? But is this interesting? Is it possible that demonic entities wowed and amazed a fallen race that had gotten farther and farther and farther, at least the bulk of the human race had? There have always been people since Adam and Eve who loved and trusted the Lord, okay? But I'm talking about the lost world. Is it possible that demonic entities wowed and amazed a fallen race that was losing its previous intelligence, but they wowed and amazed them with what seemed to be magic or superhuman technology and knowledge to compensate for the effects of the fall in return for whether the those people knew or not, for uh, worship to end it would enslave man even further. You know, there are many verses in the Bible warning against seeking demons, demon information or contact with the dead, which are we know are demons. I'm not saying when somebody dies, they become a demon. I'm saying demons impersonate the dead. Hmm. These are interesting things, aren't they? Well, let's talk about the descent of man morally and how it coincides with the ascent of technology. In Genesis 4, in 19 to 24, now this is some uh, passage of time well after Adam and Eve, but we read here, and Lamech took unto him two wives. Now, God intends that man have one wife, all right? And Lamech took unto him two wives. So that's a moral deviation there. The name of the one was Ada, and the name of the other, Zillah. And Ada bare Jabal. He was the father of such as dwell in tents, and such as have cattle. And I think that means much more than, the, than it seems like it means. I think that you could say that he was the, the one in Adam and Eve's descendants that perfected agriculture, animal husbandry, so to speak, that mastered and taught others to do the same, how to become cattle ranchers, let's say. You, you see what I'm saying there? And that would have involved some, uh, some knowledge. Well, where did he get that? Well, there certainly would have been residual knowledge of Adam being created at the apex of God's creation. But did he get some help from other sources? Maybe. I don't know. It's possible. Verse 21, And his brother's name was Jubal, and he was the father of all such as handle the harp, an organ, and these are musical instruments, obviously. He was the one who pioneered and perfected uh, music as we think of it, maybe recording, uh, what am I trying to say here, you know, teaching how to play these instruments and how to write music down that others might make it. It's interesting to me that apparently, this is what many think, that Lucifer for lack of a better way to put it, was the praise leader to God in heaven. And that he had musical instruments apparently created 
in him, in his creation. Well, music is certainly an avenue through which Satan influences the world. And if you don't believe that, just listen to what people are listening to today. <laughs> Verse 22, And Zilla, she also bare two volcanes, an instructor of every artificer in brass and iron. And the sister of Tubal-Cain was Naamah. So Tubal-Cain began to be the go-to guy on metal allergy. Metallurgy is what I'm trying to say. And, and, and working with metal. And this certainly would lend itself also to weapons as an example. So we see three people here who are pointed out to be like, they were the, uh, let's just say they were like the Elon Musk of their particular area, all right? And everybody that was on the earth at that time knew that, hey, the, the master of music is Jubal, and the master of, of working with metals, Tubal Cain, and the master of this whole agriculture thing is Jabal. I mean, everybody knew that. Who was arguing, right? That's just interesting to me that the Lord inspired Moses to, to make these points. And it, it may imply that there was something, some knowledge they had, which made them completely stand out from anyone else involved in this. Well, again, it could have been residual intelligence from great-great-granddad Adam. That's possible. There probably was some of that. But it's also possible that they could have been instructed from sources that God never intended that they get instruction from. That may be. And we don't know that for sure. But watch this in verse 23. And Lamech said unto his wives, Ada and Zillah, Hear my voice, ye wives of Lamech, hearken unto my speech. For I have slain a man to my wounding and a young man to my hurt. Apparently, he seems to be saying that he got into a struggle with somebody and he killed him. And watch his moral deduction in verse 24. It's shocking, actually. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech seventy and seven. It appears that he's saying that that he was right in what he did, at least in his eyes, and that as Cain was protected by God, even though he was guilty, God um, God protected Cain. Here, Lamech seems to be saying that God will protect him 77 times more. And it's just an unusual couple of verses right there, right in the midst of other verses that are, that are interesting. But what I see here in this little passage is, is the moral level of man isn't going up, it's going down. Do you see that? And yet it appears that technology, like in the area of agriculture, 
of music, you know, the arts of working with metal, manufacturing is on the rise. Now just hang on to that. This appears to be an inversion. As man rose in technology, man descended at the same time in morality to the point that God buried man and wiped out as this God-hating civilization in the flood. We'll see that in a minute. <clears throat> but you would ask right now, well, why don't we have evidence of technology of ancient civilizations? Well, to some degree, we do. There's a book, and by the way, I've not read it, but it sounds very interesting, and I'm going to refer you to it. You read it and tell me about it, okay? It's called The Genius of Ancient Man, Evolution's Nightmare, and it's by the author Don Landis. And I think you can find that wherever you find books. So you get it, read it, and do a book report on it to me. That's your homework. Think about this this way. Now, I'm a, I'm a young earth creationist. I didn't know that's what I was until I read that title uh, a couple of years ago or about a year ago. I don't think the world has been around as we know it millions and millions or billions and billions of years. I don't believe that for a minute. I believe the world is about 6,000 years old. And we're approaching the end of that 6,000 years. And there's going to be one more set of 1,000 years, the millennium where Jesus Christ rules and reigns on this earth. And God's going to wrap everything up with the eternal state. That's what I believe. But we can go back into the Bible with the math in Genesis. And we know that it was approximately... 1,600 years from the creation of Adam until you come to Noah and the flood. 1,600 years. Imagine what man had mastered technically in that time. Even though Adam fell, he went out of the garden, at least having been created at the apex of God's creation, and the residual of that, even though a lot of that was lost over time, it appears that man struggled and mastered technology. And again, I think it's very possible that he had input from other sources other than God, which we've already mentioned. But it was 1,600 years from the creation to Noah. It was a 1,000 years have only elapsed since the fall of Rome when Rome fell to the space race. Think about that. Only a thousand years. Think about the great technical advances just in the last 200 years. And especially think of the technical advances in the last 20 years or two years, or now because uh, information and knowledge increases exponentially just in the last two weeks. Imagine if man continued another 600 years so that, so that it was 1,600 years from the fall of Rome 
until 600 years from now. What would the world be like technologically? But here's a better question. What would the world be like morally? Wow. Probably not good. It's both wow and woe, biblically speaking. Now I want to show you the cataclysmic judgment of the great deluge. And that simply means the great flood. In Genesis 6, 1 through 8, we're going to read this historical record written by Moses, inspired by God. And I believe this is, this is how the world was right before the flood. In Genesis 6, 1 through 8, we read, And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God, and that apparently means angels, but I think it means fallen angels, the demons, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that. When the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. Now I've heard all the explanations of this, you know, frontwards and backwards from every angle. The one that works for me is that demonic spirits possessing human men consorted with these women and their, their abilities somehow technologically, physically were passed on to their progeny, their children. And these became people, men, mighty men, which were well-known. Now watch verse 5. It, by the way, <laughs> if this was just normal stuff that we just read, then verse 5 wouldn't make that much sense. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. And here's a great verse, verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Amen. So here, the picture we see is the cataclysmic judgment that God renders through the flood on a world which was descending not only physically in terms of how long they lived, but morally. There was a spiritual 
degression and decline in man to the point that God had to bury man and wipe man from the face of the earth except for Noah and his family. Now, here's what the descent of man looks like morally and socially. We read about that in Romans 1, 16 to 32. And I'm going to read this without comment. It needs no comment. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men, working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind, to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents without understanding, covenant breakers without natural affection, 
implacable, unmerciful, who, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Wow, what a description of the moral fall of man. Now, let's learn how to be telling time, you know, telling what time it is by seeing the same descent before the glorious departure. And I'm talking about the rapture of the church, part of the return of Christ. In Matthew 24, verses 37 to 44, this is our Lord Jesus Christ speaking. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched. It would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Can you tell what time it is now? Man is fallen to the lowest level of morality imaginable today. And yet technology is at its zenith and, and going even, even to greater heights. Now, I want to ask you a question. Do you know Jesus Christ as your actual, real Lord and Savior? If you don't, you can know him personally, and then you'll know for certain how your eternity will turn out. Instead of following Satan and being condemned with him to an eternal hell, you can follow Jesus Christ and be welcome into heaven and eternity with him. Write this phone number down. Call this number and someone will talk with you about how to become a Christian. 877-247-2426. 877-247-2426. You can also go to chataboutjesus.com. In Romans 3.23, we read these words, For all his sin and come short of the glory of God. But in Romans 6.23, we read, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I hope you will come to Him today and become a Christian. If you're already a Christian, 
share the good news with others. I invite you today to like this episode, follow the podcast, and share this episode with others who need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening. If the Lord doesn't come first, I'll be back next week. Bye-bye.